Okay, I have just one announcement for you, and that is, did you like the message on Wednesday night? Yeah. Pretty wild, right? Well, this Wednesday on July 26th at 7 p.m., the title is How to Get Water from the Rock, and that is not a joke. How to Get Water from the Rock, if you understand. In fact, the water is everything that you need. That's the water. The water that God offers us is everything that we need. And the message is about how you can get that water and have it flowing into your life, and not only flowing in, but flowing out of your life every day. So that will be on Wednesday. For today, but for today, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare, part four. If you've missed some of these messages, I encourage you to go online. You can go to livingwordalive.com and you can watch these messages. You can see it on Facebook. You can see it on YouTube, our YouTube channel. First message was, know your enemy. And it's important to know your enemy, right? He's a thief. Jesus said he's a thief, he's a murderer, he's a destroyer, he's a liar, he's a deceiver. He's the ruler of this world. The prince in power of the air, the God of this age. And he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your body. He wants to destroy your mind. He wants to destroy your spirit. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy your ministry. He wants to destroy our church. If you look at human history and you read the history books, you will see that history is the story of him leaving carnage, wars, death, rape, murder, destruction. We have an enemy. It's key to know your enemy. That's a, a, a key component of spiritual warfare and to know him. Now, then we looked at part two and three, which is know your armor. And we talked about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. Now today, we're going to begin, and this is going to be in actually two parts, so this will be four and five, and that is know your strategies. I'm going to give you seven strategies today and seven strategies next week. So stand with me. Just stand with me here for the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to read just, just two verses from Ephesians chapter 6, 10 and 11. The Word of the Lord says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And Father, as the enemy has schemes... Lord, you have given us strategies. Teach them to us today, Lord Jesus, as we sit at your feet. Teach them to us as you did to the apostles, Lord God, and the disciples 2,000 years ago. Give us ears to hear, Lord God. Give us eyes to see. Give us a heart that is hungry to receive your truth, Lord. That we would take, Lord God, what we learned today and we would put it into practice and that it would give us victory for the glory of Jesus Christ, we pray this. Amen. You can be seated. 
So notice what it says. It says the devil has schemes. Those, those are strategies. He has, again, these schemes and these strategies to destroy you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Don't be ignorant of his devices. Don't be ignorant of his schemes. It's valuable to know the strategies and schemes of the enemy. That will help you to be able to defeat him. It is also valuable to know the strategies of God that he has given to you and that he has given to us. God has, has not only given us weapons for battle, he has also given us strategies for battle. What are your strategies for combating the enemy? Right? Things come into your life. These things come into your family. You experience temptations, you experience attacks. Why is this happening to us? Why is this happening to me? What are your strategies to combat the enemy? To defeat the enemy? So again, today you're going to get seven strategies. And next week I'm going to give you an additional seven strategies. Let's look. The first strategy, renounce. Have you renounced Satan? Have you renounced his works? Have you renounced his schemes? If you're not aware of his works and his schemes in your life, I want to encourage you to pray to the Holy Spirit that he would give you eyes to see so that you can see his schemes and his strategies that he's working in your life. And when you see them and you're aware of them, you need to renounce them. In Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to read to you here verses 1 through 7. And I want you to notice, first, verses 1 through 3 talks about that's our old life. If you're a true Christian, that's your old life. And then verses 4 through 7, that's our new life. So it says this, the old life... And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's where we were, right? Dead in our sin. In which you once walked according to the course of the world. The world is that which is under the control of Satan. It is not the trees, it is not the birds, it is not the squirrels. The world is that which is in opposition to everything that God has revealed to us in his word. That's the world. According to the prince and power of the air, he is the ruler of the world. I said this to you a few weeks ago. When you're talking to people who are so shocked at the evil in the world, how could God, how could God let little children die? How could God, you know, let a hurricane kill people? How could, you know, you hear that? I get tired of hearing it. The answer to that, and the Bible gives us a very, very clear answer, and that is, because God at this time is not the ruler of this world, Satan is. God is the ruler of everything else. Jesus said it three times in the Gospel of John. He is the ruler of this world. He is the prince and power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, right? Didn't you find that? He was working in your life and working disobedience among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. 
That's his objective, to bring us to a place of wrath. Then it tells us again, the new life, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses. Isn't that good news? God loved me when I wanted nothing to do with him. God loved me when I was given my life over to the very power saying, you know, you know what, what was my favorite song right before I gave my life to Jesus Christ? Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones. I was listening to that song going back and forth to the gym every morning. That was my, I haven't listened to it since. I renounced it. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You know what grace is? Grace is that God has given us what we don't deserve. Every day, every morning, I thank the Lord for his grace, for everything he has put in my life, because I am unworthy and undeserving of all of it. You have been saved, right, by grace. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We have just got the hors d'oeuvre, folks. We have just gotten a little bit of a taste of what he has for us for the future. So what you, again, you you see here in this passage is we need to renounce that old life. We need to renounce him. We need to renounce the lusts of the flesh. We need to renounce, right, the evil things that we were doing because what the enemy will do is he will come and one of his schemes is to draw you back into that old life. Have you ever experienced that? Maybe I'm the only one who has. He will, he's still trying to. I've been walking with the Lord for 40 years. He's still trying to draw me back into that old, it's, it's the wrath, it's the death style. It's not a lifestyle, it's a death style. So it's important that we renounce. That's a start. Well, I've given my life to Christ. Well, have you renounced the devil? Renounce the enemy, renounce his works, renounce his schemes. Number one. Number two. Remove. Key strategy. You need to renounce, then you need to remove. So in Acts chapter 19, verse 18 through 19, there is a revival. Paul has brought a revival to Ephesus. This, this pagan city, they worship demons, they worship idols. It's, it's, it's paganism on steroids. And Paul goes there and multitudes of people in the, in the town of Ephesus, the city of Ephesus, have come to the Lord. Now watch, watch what the passage says in verse 18. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. What do you call that? Renouncing. They came and they're they're amongst one another, they're confessing and telling of their evil deeds, their engagement in the occult, in occultic practices, in immorality. And then in verse 19, it says, also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. That's a big chunk of change. 
So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So what you, what you see are these people came and they renounced the life that they were living then. Again, what it says in verse 19, they had occultic books, books on witchcraft, books on astrology, right? books on reincarnation, books on all sorts of occultic practices. And they burned them. Right? They, got, they got rid of them. So frequently in the past... Okay, and I had, a, I had an encounter, let me tell you, I had an encounter on Friday that was a direct encounter, it was a power encounter with the devil. And it was for a young man that, that I had been interceding for and trying to help. When I have been invited into people's homes, like people from town, people from the restaurant, they'll call up and say, it's demonic activity, we, we saw you on, online, or we heard about you, and, and I will go in. And I frequently sit down with them and I, I interview them. There's demonic, they're, they're, they're seeing things, they're hearing things, there's demonic stuff happening in their dreams. Some, sometimes there are outward manifestations that are happening. Sometimes they're literally appearing with bruises and damage to their bodies, sometimes at, at, at night. And so I'll, I'll interview them, and one of the things I ask is, have you, have you opened a doorway? So year, years ago, it was, it was very simple. I will ask them, is there a Ouija board in the house? Do you have any occult books in the house? And it's amazing what would, would come forth. Those are, again, those are doorways to, to demons. Now, it's, it's very different because the devil has created gateways into people's lives through their iPhones through TV programs, remember programs. What are they doing? They're programming you. I mean, I could, I could flip through the channels and find 10 occultic programs in a given hour any day. Programs on, on, on witchcraft, programs on ghosts, you know, pro programs on astrology, pro just programs on the occult. Video games, occultic video games that they think are harmless that their children are playing. I'm clearly demon, you know, demonic stuff. So there, there was a doorway that was created. And these people are experiencing torment. They're, they're experiencing oppression. Sometimes they're experiencing right out, it's, it's right out demonization. So here is where you have to remove those things. Any, any things that are doorways to the devil, you have to remove them. You have to get rid of them. Oh, geez, they're, they're precious. I've, I've got crystals, and I paid so much for them. I've got some kind of demonic jewelry. Oh, it's so valuable. Don't sell it. You need to get rid of it. You, you, need, you need to get rid of it. You need to get it out of your life. You need to remove it. In Deuteronomy... 18, 9 through 12. Make a note of this passage. It's important. The Lord here instructs the Israelites. It says, when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of the nations. In fact, actually the word abominations, it occurs here twice. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. That's child sacrifice. Or one who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer, or one who interpret, interprets uh, omens, 
or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, a medium, a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. The occult. Let me add a few things to that. Reincarnation. The Bible doesn't, people come in the church who have been in the church, I mean, look, I don't know, I don't know if they're hearing anything that's being said from this pulpit, but they'll come up to me and they'll mention reincarnation. Reincarnation is not of God. Reincarnation is not of the Bible. The Bible teaches resurrection, not reincarnation. Well, people come to me with, with, what's your, your sign? Now, before I was a Christian, I would have given them my sign. (laughs) That's my sign! That's my sign, the sign of the cross, where I was set free from my sins and from the devil and from hell. He died for me and took all of my evil upon himself. Astrology, what's, you know, what's, your, what's your sign? All, the, all these things okay, that are, that are mentioned, you see them. Astrology isn't mentioned here. It's mentioned throughout the book of Jeremiah. It's mentioned throughout the book of Isaiah. All of these things are doorways to demons. Those of you who practice, and some of you have been around here for a while, you go back to 2015, October messages, look at my messages on Halloween. It's such a fun, little, cute, little holiday, and the kids get all dressed up, and they have fun. Look into the very origins. It's Satan's holiday. Look at the things people put on their lawns. It's it's a celebration of death, of death. God is a God of life. He, he says the devil came as a thief, right, to kill and to murder and destroy. I have come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. I prefer to enjoy a lifestyle, not a death style. Our world is deeply captivated by a death style. And when you see the things that are happening all over this country, all over this world, you see the, the, the murders and the killings and the shooting. That's again, that's all Satan's work. That's the death style. The murder of the unborn. Infanticide being promoted right now by, by leaders. of our, That's the murder of a born baby. It's a, it's a death style. And that's what Satan is about. So when you open the door through the occult, you are opening a door to demons. And that's why, look, it's not enough just to renounce. You need to remove. Number three, respect. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, I'm going to read in the New Living Translation. Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Respect the enemy. Don't fear the enemy. Fear God. But respect him. Because if you do not respect him, you will not overcome him. If you do not respect him, you will not be able to resist him. Now you think of, like, people in your life, you know, some, we come, look, I, I deal with so many people, literally in a given year, thousands of people. And there are people, you know, you lose your respect for them. You know, people, they, don't, they, they, they say one thing, they do another, right? Their yes isn't yes, their no isn't no, right? They're just, they don't mean what they say. They, you know, they, 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 just, they just don't do what they, you know, what they claim they should do, right? You, you lose respect for them. And 
really, they're harmless, right? You lose respect for people. I mean, it's... But if you lose respect for the enemy, you lose. If you lose respect for the enemy, you are going to be losing battles. So respect his power, respect his cunning, respect his deception, respect his ability to deceive you. Respect his relentlessness, his tenacity, his cleverness. Listen, he'd been around here for a long, long time, far longer than I've been around here. He knows human nature, and he knows my nature better than I know myself. He's been, I mean, he's, he's had humanity underneath his microscope, underneath his magnifying glass. He knows everything about us. Spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, physically. So respect him. The word says that, that he is like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. The devil is like a roaring lion. If there was a roaring lion outside the church right now and you knew it, would you be running out of the church today to your car? Right, I think, I think you'd get out your phone, you call 911 and say, get animal control over here. There's a roaring lion walking around Dumont, New Jersey. Why does a lion roar? They tell, they tell us that a lion roars essentially to affirm its territory, its superiority, and it roars when it's hungry. Right, if there was a lion out there, you'd be very careful. I think that you'd probably wait inside or you'd wait until the cops came and did something to the lion. One of my martial arts teachers, his name is just like mine, except that it's a V. His name is Guy Valella. I train with Guy a couple nights a week. And um, if I was going to get in a battle, there is no man on earth that I would want to be next to me than Guy. Just he, I mean, and, and like we, we're training with Navy SEALs. We're training with, with some really, you know, tough people. People who have studied the martial arts for, for lifetimes. But nobody, nobody I would want next to me in a fight than Gavalella. So a guy told me a story this week. He said that he was in Passaic and he was visiting, visiting family or something and he came out, it was later at night, and there was some type of a nightclub there. And he goes, as he's going to get in his car, this guy comes out of the bar. And he goes, he's like a 300-pound guy with muscles everywhere. And he comes out, and he's screaming at the top of his lungs how bad he is. And he'll beat up and kill anybody who messes with him. And you know what guy did? He got in his car, and he got out of there. That's smart. When you are confronted with the devil, you need to respect him. Guy respected this maniac. As tough as he is, he respected the maniac. Satan is a maniac with incredible powers, with incredible cleverness and deception. We need to respect him. Number four, remember. Renounce, remove, respect, 
remember. I'm going to show you a passage from the book of Judges, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. When Israel went into the promised land and Joshua defeated the enemies, some of them were left. Some of them because of Israel's negligence, but some of them because God chose some of those pagan, idolatrous, really demon-possessed people to remain there. So look, look at verses 1 and 2 in Judges chapter 3. Now these are the nations which the Lord left that he might test... Israel by them, that is, all who had not known any of the wars of Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. So here's the picture of remember. God left those nations in the promised land. There are seven nations. Seven, again, these are the children of Satan. Satan has children. You see them, you know, just showing their ugly faces throughout, you know, throughout history, and even in our time. So God left them there, and you see the word test? To test Israel. Because you don't know how strong or weak you are until you are tested. And a lot of people think, well, well, you know what? The trials and the testing will make you stronger. Not necessarily. What they do is trials and tribulations and tests, they reveal what you are. They reveal who you truly are. So when everything is going wonderful, you look really holy. You just warm just so holy. I'm walking, walking with God, you know. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And then the trial comes, the test comes, the crap hits the fan. That, that re will reveal who you really are, what you really are. It will reveal your faith, your love for God, your obedience. And what the passage says, that's what God and why God left the enemies there. Secondly, he left them there that they might be taught to know war. What's the best way to learn how to fight? To fight. You could, do, you could do all the fake training. You can do all, all the training. In the, I'm, I'm telling you, in the dojo, I mean, I've been in the boxing ring. Um, you know, I've been on the mat. I've, I've done jujitsu. I want to tell you, the best place that I learned to fight was when I used to be a bouncer in the bars. That was the best. I mean, when you, when you get into somebody, there's no rules. There's no ref, right? I mean, they, they, will, they will bite you. They will poke out your eyes. I mean, it's just, it, it, that's where I learned how to fight. When you're in battle with the enemy, that's where you're going to learn how to fight spiritually. So, so God here, he, he leaves the enemy. So did you ever wonder, why does God leave Satan around? Now, I want to tell you this. I don't know all the reasons. There are many things I don't know, and there are many things that God is not, has not revealed. There are mysteries, and they may never be revealed. I'm going to get to heaven and say, Lord, I want to know this, 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 and this. He'll say, you know what? Here, go into glory. I'm going to cleanse your mind of all the garbage that happened in the world. You're going to be in perfect peace and perfect love and perfect happiness. I'm not going to want to know. But there is one reason that the Bible reveals why God has left the devil. And that is to test us and train us. 
So look at, look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 17. This is the last battle. Satan is locked up for a thousand years for the millennial kingdom. Millennial kingdom, the lion is lying down with the lamb. The little kid can put his hand in the nest of vipers. All right, he's going he's gonna to lead the wolves, right? It's, it's just this wonderful time of peace. There's no war. They will, they will beat their swords into plowshares, right? They will beat their, 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 right, their spears into pruning hooks. There's peace on earth for a thousand years. Right, this is a thousand years, six times in verses 1 through 6 of Matthew chapter 20. God's trying to make a point there. So when a thousand years are over, Satan will be released. Why? If that hasn't bothered you, it's bothered me. I mean, the first time I read this, uh, this passage, I'm like, why? They finally get rid of him, and now he releases him. Satan will be released from his prison and he will go out and deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. And to gather them for battle, in number they are like the sand of the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves, but fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Why does God release Satan? Because there is an entire generation of people. You see, the people that go into the millennial kingdom, they are true believers, but then there will be an entire generation of people who will be born who never had the chance to choose between Satan and God, between light and darkness, between evil and righteousness. Right? They will then be given the chance, and it's sad that many of them will choose Satan. So in a sense here, God has Satan on a leash. And he uses him, again, to test us, and he uses him to train us. Remember that. When you're going through trials, when you're being tested, when the enemy is tempting, when the enemy is attacking. All right, number five, refresh. Renounce, remove, respect, remember, refresh. One of the greatest tricks of the enemy is to make us bored with God and the things of God. The old Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible gets old. It, 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 it gets boring. Worship gets stale. Just people going through the motions, right? The, religi- the religious motions, it's time to make the donuts. Remember that commercial? No joy, no passion, no enthusiasm. Oh no, an, another sermon today from Pastor Frank. I'm so bored. I won't tell you how bored I get with people like that. I wonder how bored God is with, you know, gets with them. We need to refresh ourselves. We need to refresh ourselves in God's power. We need to refresh ourselves in God's spirit. We need to allow God to strengthen us and infuse us with courage because the enemy loves flabby, fat, lazy Christians. And I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about in their spirits and their souls. He loves them. So here's a passage from Joshua chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. 
God here says to Moses, uh, to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. I want you to notice this, be strong and, good courage, and, and of good courage. It says it three times, and the fourth time it is put in the negative, okay? Be strong and of good courage, right? For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may be able to observe according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left hand that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may be able to observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Right here again in the negative. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. God is commissioning Joshua to lead the armies in Israel into battle. So four times be strong and courageous, over and over again. Notice, notice this, I just want to say, you know when you feel strong and courageous? You can overcome anything in Christ. When you, when, you, when you are strong and courageous, I'm telling you, you can overcome and hurdle any obstacle. When you're strong and courageous, you, you can, I mean, just the, the, the strength and the courage overcome any, any problem, any challenge, any difficulty. When you're, when you're strong and courageous, man, let me tell you something, that is a, 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 that is a great attitude. That is, uh, those are great feelings to be having in your heart, in your life. Problems come at you every day, right? But you're strong and courageous, man. You're just, you're, right, you're just going through them. How do you get it? How do you get that strength and courage? See the red letters? Joshua, you want to have that strength and courage? I want you to be strong and courageous. I want you to be strong and courageous. I want you to be strong and courageous. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. How do you get strength and courage? You need to be in the word. The word needs to be in you. And the word needs to be flowing outwardly from your life. That's where the strength and courage comes from. You need to plug in to the word of God and get refreshed, not just on Sundays when you come to hear a sermon, but every day. Now I want to share with you a couple of things here, because the enemy will use all sorts of things to keep you out of the Word of God. He will use distractions. You know that little device that some of you are holding right now in your hand? He will use social media, he will use video games, he will use Netflix, he will use YouTube, he, you know, he will use Facebook to just keep you from the word. He will use busyness. You know, biz, busyness with family and friends, school and work and sports and clubs and parenting and schedules. Busy, 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 busy. Even ministry. Family. He will try to instill in you, as you walk with the Lord, a know-it-all attitude. 
You know, some people, they, they just know it all. They're sitting there right now here, and, and they're, they're watching on TV. You know what? They know it all. You know what I've discovered that I know? Though I know a little bit, there is a whole lot of stuff that I don't know about God in the Bible, and there's a whole lot of more time I've got to spend in, in coming to know those things. People use Christian books. Christian books. So go up in my library or come to my home library. I've read, I've read over 5,000 books since I've been a believer. About 40, 40 or so years. And I've read a lot of Christian books. And Christian books are good, but they're not as good as the Word of God. Oh, pastor, I'm reading this book. Oh, pastor, I'm reading this book. Oh, what about this book? You need to read this. No, I need to read this book. And you know what my ratio is? It's about 80-20. It's about 80% of the time that I spend reading is in this book as compared to reading other things. But the devil will get you. He'll get you reading all kinds of Christian books. He'll mislead you into thinking that there are other ways that are better than the Bible at living a successful and victorious life. NLP. Gestalt. Peak performance, psychology, psycho-cybernetics. By the way, I've studied all those things, and there's some good things that I've walked away with from them, but they cannot compare to the Word of God, to living a successful and victorious life. He'll seek to develop a false confidence in you. By thinking you're fine. How you doing? I'm fine. How's it going? Everything's fine. I don't know about you, but... Folks, I don't think there's a day that goes by where I'm totally fine. Because I'm, I'm, living, I'm living in this, this body with the lower nature called the sarks and the flesh in a world that is not the world that God has for me and a world that's ruled by Satan. And when people, like, you know what, the fine attitude, that's Laodicea. We're fine. We have everything we need. We, we, we just... We don't need anything from you, God. And what does he say? You're blind, you're naked, you're poor. I want to spit you out of my mouth because you're so lukewarm. Another thing the enemy will do, he'll keep you reading the word, but not meditating on the word. Not memorizing the word. And not putting the word into practice. You ever see some people, they, they, know, they know a lot about the Bible because they read it all the time. But you look at their life and they don't practice, I mean, they ain't practicing anything. So that's something, he'll get you, get you reading the Bible, lots of reading the Bible, reading the Bible, but you're not memorizing it, you're not internalizing it. And what did Jesus say? It's not the person who hears the word, it's the person who puts the word into practice. That's the person who builds their house on the rock. Number six, renounce, remove, respect, remember, refresh, react. Ephesians chapter four, verse 27, and do not give the devil a foothold. The devil is going to put traps before you every day. Those traps will come in the form of things. Those traps will come in the form of information. Those traps will come in the forms of people. They will come to you through the media. He will put them in front of you. 
You're driving down the road. You made kind of a quick left-hand turn. You cut the man or woman off. Now you're in a trap. What is the person doing to you? Sign language, right? There's your trap. Maybe you're going to, oh, I'm going to start doing sign language back at them. And then you know what you get? You get, you get the monkey dance. The monkey dance. We call, we call, it's social violence. I'm going to kill him. You got me. I'm going to kick him. You see those people? Don't get out and play the game. It's a trap. You can't win. You can't. We, we, we drive this home to people in martial arts. You cannot win. If you hit the person and you knock them out, you know what? There's a good chance you're going to go to jail. You're going to get hit with a lawsuit. You're going to be, you're going to be tied up and they're going to be sucking money from you for years. And maybe he hits you and kills you or stabs you or shoots you. And even women are doing this stuff now. It used to be a man's game. The monkey dance. Women do the monkey dance. You can see it on TV at night. But that's a trap. The, en- the enemy will, will seek to trap you. How many of you run? So I ran this morning. I ran some trails. And then I went to the high school and I did sprints. But when you run trails, and trail running is a fun thing, but when you're running trails... There's rocks that you have to make sure you jump over. There's ruts. Uh, there's roots. I mean, trip, I've tripped over roots at times. And sometimes there's even snakes. Snakes like to come out in the morning and, and go in the sun, sunlight shining through the trees, and you'll have snakes. You've got to get over them. How many, how many of you have ever run a trail? Okay, a couple of people. How many of you ever run a marathon? Got a, a couple of people. How about a uh, half marathon? How about a 10K? How about a 5K? Oh, more hands. How many of you have ever just run around the block once? <laughs> Wait, I don't make this. How many of you, at times, you run to the bathroom? Tell you this, every man over 60 just raised his hand. <laughs> Let me be more relatable. Those of you who communicate, you may be communicating, right? Social media, you may be communicating in front of people. Key is, key is to be relatable. And I just realized I was not relatable because most of you don't run or haven't run. So let me be, again, more relatable to you. And let me move, let me move beyond running trails you're walking down the street, and right in front of you, dog poop. That ever happened to you? Some people don't clean up. You need to react to it. You need to avoid it. You need to step over it or around it and you don't want to step on it. You know what I'm talking about. I hate it. You got to get a 
tool to clean it out, and it's disgusting, it's gross. Satan don't drop poop in front of us. Satan puts a foothold. That is what the meaning of a foothold is. It's far more dangerous than dog poop. It can hurt you, it can kill you. An animal that gets its leg or its arm in one of those, those traps are totally in, you know, inhumane. The animal ends up having to gnaw its extremity off to be able to get away. You need to react to the trap. You need to react to the foothold. You need to avoid them. Sometimes you need to avoid people. Sometimes you need to avoid places. Sometimes you just be, need to be living with alertness to realize that it's ahead of you. So you react. Last one for today. Resist. Renounce, remove, respect, remember, refresh, react, resist. James says in chapter 4, verse 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's a promise of the word of God. If you resist the enemy, he will flee from you. The word resist is antihistamine. So when you see when you see antihistamines, that's where they get the idea from. Antihistamines are medications that you basically use to treat allergy symptoms. It essentially blocks the histamine so that, you know, your nose isn't running, your eyes aren't all bloodshot, and you've got a, a, a wicked headache. But that's the picture here. We need to antihistamine the enemy. We need to resist the enemy. And if we will resist him, he will flee from us. I want to just stress this to you. In 40 years of Christian counsel, I want to say this. Some of you, man, you tap out before the battle's even begun. The devil's coming to you and tempting you. You ain't, you ain't even putting up the slightest amount of resistance. You're giving right into him. And the word of God tells us we need to resist him. Resist, again, falling in to that trap. When you resist him, what happens, again, he will flee. And what you're going to find is, when you resist, Derek, have you ever done resistance exercises? What happens when you do resistance exercises? You get stronger, right? When you resist the devil, what you're going to find is you're going to become stronger. He'll come and he'll, again, he'll tempt you, and you're going to find you resist him, you get stronger. Now, I'll say this to you. He may be trying to get at you through a weakness that you then become strong, and then he'll find another weakness to come after you in. He's, he's very clever. He, he, when, he, when he can't get you one way, he will try to get you another way. Young men. When I was a young man, right, what was our major struggle? The lust of the flesh, right? The lust of the flesh, right? Looking at women. The lust of the eyes. And, right, as we grow in the Lord... We get older. Like at this time in my life, it's not that stronghold that the devil had on me when I was younger. I'll say this to you. If you put me in a room with the 10 most beautiful women in the world and they were naked, I would just close my eyes. No, no, no. Wait, wait. I, I would, maybe one eye. Maybe two, just for a second. 
To resist the devil is to not go in the room. Had a lady here years ago. She was, she was involved in pornography. She gave her life to Christ. She ran a ministry in New York to pornographic actresses. And she was leading them to Christ and setting them free. And she comes here and she would ask me, please, you know, with the way you teach, with the way you preach, come, you know, come into the city and share with them. And I just like, that's not a place that I can be. They're just, uh, God, you know, God has to raise up some, some women. He has to raise, that's just not a place that I can be. That's resisting. Don't even put yourself in the situation. As soon as you see that temptation, right, you, 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 you resist. So here's our, our final notes, okay? Again, the first seven. You'll get the next seven next week. Renounce. Renounce the enemy. If there are things in your life right now, you need to renounce them. They could be, again, things of the occult. They could be sexual things. You need to renounce them. Number two, remove them. You go home today, if there's anything in your life that's a doorway to the devil, you need to get rid of it. Remove it. Number three, respect. Respect him. Because he is, again, a relentless, tenacious adversary. Number four, remember. Remember that God will use him to test you and to train you. Turn it against him. Start to become stronger through his attacks and through his temptations. Number five, refresh. Be in the word of God every day. And may the word of God be in you. And may the word of God be flowing through you. React. He sets traps in front of us all the time. Hop over them, hop around them, get around them. And then resist. You'll find as you resist the enemy, you will get stronger and stronger. And the things that he was taking you down with previously, he can't take you down today. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, keep it on mind, we always fight from victory, not for victory, because the victory was won. You are victorious in Christ. That's something to affirm to him. We'll get into that more next week. I am his. He paid for me with his blood. I am victorious in Christ. I am more than a conqueror. I refuse to live like a victim and have him victimize me. Amen? If you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, today is a good day to do it. Ask Jesus to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. Let's bow our heads and pray. Worship team can come up. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for your word. And again, I thank you, Father. You have left us here on this planet that is ruled by an enemy. In a world of, Lord, systems that are dark and demonic. But, Lord God, you have not left us there. You have armed us with your armor. And, Lord God, you have given us, through your word, clear strategies that we can live victoriously. And not just live victoriously with your protection over our lives. But, Lord God, be on the advance in advancing the kingdom of God and setting the captives free. I pray, Lord God that we'd all, Lord God, live out that mission you've given us. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen.